The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. After Jesus had ended all his sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a slave who was dear to him, who was sick and at the point of death. When Jesus heard this, he sent him to the elders of the Jews, asking them to come and heal the slave. And when Jesus came, they besought him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he built our synagogue. And Jesus went to them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the multitudes that followed him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave well. The Gospel of the Lord. The first reading for today, the letter of St. Paul from the first letter to the Corinthians, sets the tone, if you will, for what we see in the gospel and what the church is uh, teaching us uh, today. And it is particularly uh, that kind of liturgical reverence that St. Paul is writing to the Corinthians about. And so they have lost a reverence already even then for what should be the central and most, and it is the holiest aspect of their life which is their participation in the Lord's Supper, the participation in the Mass. And so St. Paul is rebuking them for the different types of abuses that have crept in already to the liturgy. And he is reminding them of the holiness of what they participate in and the presence of the one who is, again, made present to them through the great mystery in which they participate. He is reminding them that what they eat and drink is not simply earthly food and drink. He reminds them that what they receive is the Lord and that their disposition should reflect that with reverence. And then we move into the gospel and we see this surprising figure of the centurion. In the midst of the indifference to the Lord, you have this one figure who steps out almost like the Syrophoenician woman and shows Christ a remarkable a remarkable amount of reverence. 
remarkable even to Christ himself, where he turns then to the multitude when Jesus, after having marveled at him, and says, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. We see in this centurion so many beautiful aspects, so many beautiful truths. One, he should remind us of the parable that we had yesterday with regards to the good shepherd. He is a centurion, which literally means to have charge over a hundred, and yet he has care for the one, like the good shepherd who leaves the ninety-nine and goes in search of the one. This centurion behaves and acts as Christ himself behaves and acts. He has care for his servant. Also like the Syrophoenician woman, which I think is why the Lord responds so quickly as he does to her, is that his prayer and his petition has nothing of himself in it. Like the Syrophoenician woman, he comes to the Lord with the concern for another. In his prayer and in his petition, he is concerned for another's suffering, and he takes that suffering as his own. So also this should cause us to consider our own prayer and petition to God. How much of our own prayer is full of ourselves? How much of it is full of the sufferings and the needs of others? How much of it has the aroma of the reverence that this centurion has for Christ. We can see a particular care that he has for the Lord. He is a pagan, and he knows that for Jesus to enter his house would make Jesus in the eyes of others unclean. And so he does not want to expose the Lord in any way to scandal, even though he knows that the Lord has this supreme authority. The Lord obviously is not made unclean. In fact, all of the accounts of Scripture which would normally make someone unclean, it operates in the complete reverse order when it comes to Christ. Normally, according to the law, if anyone touched a leper, they were unclean. But if any leper touched Christ, they were cleansed. Normally, in, the, in their law, if anyone touched or had contact with someone who had died, they were made unclean. But when the Lord has contact with someone who has died, they come back to life. Whenever anyone touches Christ, they are made clean. Wherever he enters, it is made clean. It is purified. Wherever his word goes, there is a cleansing work of healing that happens. And so the centurion is fully aware of this with regards to Christ. He has a great reverence for the presence of Jesus and a great reverence for the power of his word. And that is the right disposition that we should have when we approach this sacred mystery at the Mass. What we have from this centurion is the words that he, that he uttered have become for the Church the words that all the faithful speak before they receive the Lord in Holy Communion. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. These words are sourced back in the figure that we read of today, this beautiful centurion. 
and his life and his reverence for Christ should be what informs us with regards to our approach of the Lord, a deep faith in the power of his word and a deep reverence for his presence. Amen.